me. It is me. It is Mr. Sensational Gino V, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, coming to you with another very special episode of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network. And this is, in fact, very special episode 77. Now, in a sense, it's 77.5 because I began recording episode 77 last week, but I was feeling at a creative low point. I was feeling as our leader and station boss, Icy Robots himself, would say, I was feeling bombed out and depleted. I was coming off the heels of a weekend where... um, There'd been a major <clears throat> social event that had been months in the planning, and it all culminated on that weekend, and then I was trying to record last Tuesday on the heels of that weekend, and I just was not feeling it. I felt like I was producing some of the worst content in the history of the Vegaverse, in the history of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast, which is saying something. Um, so I tapped out, I threw in the towel, Um, You know, as much as the culture wants to tell you, don't give up on your dreams, never give up, uh, move forward no matter what, I gave up, I tapped, I surrendered, I was over it. It was not happening last week, so I took the week off, and now I am back. I am back with the actual episode 77 this week. And um, to be totally honest, I'm still feeling a bit bombed out and depleted no longer due to that event, but just kind of in general, feeling feeling a creative lull with the show. I'm feeling like the show, I don't know, needs a makeover or something, or needs to cease to be <laughs> one or the other. I don't know. We'll we'll see what goes on. But I yeah, I just as I say, it's a, it's it's a struggle every every week or so to figure out what to talk about because like for the first for the first 50 episodes or so of a show about nothing of a show of Mr. Sensational Gino Vega just talking about whatever comes to mind you know 50 episodes or so it's not that hard to come up with stuff to talk about it's not that hard to pull out some old tales from the back pocket and share them with the tens of ones listening out there but once you're hitting the 70s, I, I, you know, I feel like I'm repeating myself a lot. I feel I don't really do anything. So, uh, you know, as much as I joke that this is uh, this is the true show about nothing, not to be confused with that poser sitcom show about nothing that existed years past, it, it really is about nothing, and it becomes less than nothing at a certain point. And I feel as though I run the risk of. Boring myself, which is neither here nor there, but but much worse, boring you, the tens of ones. So with that uh, uh, lament out of the way, we will continue to persevere anyway and uh, bring you this very special episode 77 of the podcast. And what could we possibly talk about this week? I do not know. There has not been much going down. Let me let me uh, plumb into the depths really quick here. Let me see what has been going on in the Vegaverse that would warrant any kind of discussion. Um, one thing I can think of off the top of my head is that Ms. S., my wife and I, noticed that this week... 
Um, tomorrow, in fact, I'm recording this on Tuesday, May 17th. Tomorrow will be um, Wednesday, May 18th. Me doing uh, mathematical reasoning here. Um, we realized that this date in the year 2022 will mark our 20th wedding anniversary. 20 years since the day that we had a wedding event. And um, it's interesting because, as you may know from listening to the show, I'm sure I've talked about this before, uh, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega is not like a, um, I don't even know what you would call it, like a, um, I'm not one for the um, performative holidays, anniversaries, birthdays, Mother's Days, Valentine's Days. And now, by no means am I criticizing these holidays for other people, like for people that find meaning in them, find them important. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to do a blanket, oh, these holidays suck for everyone. I'm just saying, just for me, for my situation in the world, um, I observe these holidays insofar as they're important to other people that I know, but just for me personally, like for my birthday, I don't know, man. I thought I think birthdays are cool for kids, but just like for me, I don't need to celebrate a birthday. Um, something like the anniversary, this one does involve another person because it involves Miss Ms. S. So if, if wedding anniversaries were incredibly important to her, I would then... Um, respectfully observe them and participate in that. But she's kind of like me on, on the subject. It's just like, I mean, we hang out all the time. I don't, the, having this elevated day of the year just doesn't really seem to mean much. It, it, it falls flat. Um, but, uh, you know, for some people, I, I, I see that these are very important. I do find anything related to weddings, wedding anniversaries. I, I mean, I could be wrong. Just from my own um, perch, it almost feels like the more elevated these things are in a relationship, the more the overall relationship kind of suffers. Like, you know, you go to this big, huge, extravagant uh, wedding where the individual players, the bride and groom or the grooms or the brides or whoever um, kind of fade into the background. And what's much more important is the spectacle, uh, the event, the uh, how much money was spent, how many goods and services are on lavish display. The more of that there is, I feel like I've been to the, the weddings, the most over-the-top weddings like that that I've been to in my life, the fools end up getting divorced, not necessarily even that long afterward. So I'm always a little wary because it's like I, I would rather focus on the relationship, the people in the relationship being important versus the kind of pomp and circumstance being what's important. The, the whether or not you're showing proper veneration and proper um, uh, performance on these um, elevated days. So like, you know, I prefer just being the, 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 the solid individual in a, in a well-functioning relationship, 365 uh, versus having to do the presenting the spouse with like some precious jewels and, and like a floral arrangement one day of the year to like make up for the rest of the year. I don't know. It's just to each their own. You do you. But just for me, um, that's how it is. But it is kind of funny. The, the main reason it, it, it came on our radar is it's not so much about like the event of an anniversary or even the event of a wedding, but just how freaking fast 20 years has passed. 
and likely how even faster the next 20 will pass. But it also kind of makes me realize how weird my own um, marriage relationship, and I guess family relationship as a whole, is. I spoke an episode or two back about how, um, you know, I have the two sensational children, Miss One and Miss Two, 17 years old, 13 years old. Um, And again, this is not that they don't have plenty of struggles and challenges and all kinds of issues, but they've managed to avoid a lot of kind of uh, cliche or kind of more basic uh, childhood, teenage um, dramas or struggles. Um, I guess unlike myself, for instance... They were able to just like cut out a lot of the time wasting nonsense of being a young person. Um, <clears throat> and again, I'm not, they're not some, oh, just perfect angels, blah, blah, blah. But they're just, they've been able to be on a, a much more even keel than I was as a youth. They haven't had to deal with quite as much turmoil and tumult. Um, and part of that is just them. And part of that, I think, is, you know, the life they've had in our family which is one where um, I grew up in a situation where I was constantly being micromanaged. I was constantly being uh, told what I could and couldn't do, what I had to do. When I had children of my own and I thought back to that sort of authoritarian regime, I thought, first of all, I would just feel like the biggest hypocrite in the world trying to enact such a regime myself because who am I to be? An authoritarian, but further, I just thought about what was so. What was the worst parts of my childhood, and what led to like the worst behavior, the worst decisions, etc. In my childhood, in my teenage years, and it was always those power struggles. It was always reacting to those power struggles. So I just thought, why do I need to do this with my own kids? I didn't. It seems to have turned out fine. I'm sure I could read plenty of uh, materials about what a horrible idea that was. Uh, just heard yet again the other day, someone was like railing against like being friendly. You're not supposed to be friends with your kids. And I was trying to tell this guy, it's like, I'm not, it's not that I'm friends with my kids. Cause it's not, that's not the right word. I have a relationship with them. There, there probably isn't like a proper word for it because uh, yeah, they're not like my buddy that, you know, I'm going to treat like a friend, but I'm, I, I'm not also not like their jail warden. I'm not in this, this contentious, uh, ongoing fight with them. Um, we're just sort of people that enjoy being around one another, respect one another, have grown very close, understand one another. Um, but I spoke about this and I spoke about how oftentimes, like I'm just telling you about, like just recently being in a conversation with someone who was telling me about how to parent children. Uh, I get frustrated sometimes because I think, look, man, you know, all I have is, is, is my anecdotal, uh, examples, but these kids seem to be doing fine. And I would have to believe some of that has to do with the environment that they uh, came up in. Um, not that I, and it's not that I want to go around telling other people how to raise their kids. That's I, I get frustrated having to hear it from other people, but and just having to sit on the fact that kind of think what I did worked okay for us. Um, same goes. The reason I'm rehashing this same goes for marriage. But I also realize that um, you know I sit there oftentimes in social settings and hear people with all their speculations about men do this, women do that. When your wife says this, you need to do X. When the husband, blah, 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 blah. And I think, man, you're the one that's like on your third marriage. I'm over here 
married 20 years to someone I've known for like 35 years. But see, that's the issue. That's the problem. I don't feel comfortable offering advice for how to live one's life because our relationship is so weird. Most people don't meet someone when they're 14 like I was and maintain a lifelong relationship with them. Not that we were a couple that entire time, but you know, it just, and um, it's, it's one of those things that was a lot of fortune, a lot of chance, and can't really just be replicated in the wild. So if someone's asking, Gino V, what's the secret to a long, successful marriage? A question that literally no one is asking, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. So I can't tell you what you need to do is when you're 14, go to a local uh, meeting for modem users of the Redwood Empire and strike up conversation with the only other girl there your age-ish. Um, she was older than me, but in, you know, within a year and a half range, I, that, that's not helpful advice, but so that part was chance. That part fell into my lap. What I can tell you looking back these 20 years and much more looking back at it all. Um, I think that the one thing that serves us has served us best. And this goes back to my, um, wanting to be in a, uh, in a um, solid relationship year round versus a couple elevated days of the year where, where we both do some ritualistic uh, dance um, that keeps the relationship afloat. Um, what has served us best in that regard, in that vein, is that our relationship is really about the two of us as people. It is not about interchangeable, an interchangeable man married to an interchangeable woman that are in these husband-wife roles and then maybe it'll fall apart and they'll get divorced and then you add a new one in and I'm over here sitting in my man cave or something talking about happy wife, happy life. No, none of that. Our relationship is about the two of us understanding and taking each other seriously as actual people. One happens to be a male person, one happens to be a female person, but we are actual, you know, people that want to be together, that are, you know, have this relationship that actually want to spend time with each other. If you don't want to spend time with someone, run to the hills, run for your life. Started that off way too high. But um, yeah, that, that's another weird thing. You don't have to get married. You don't have to be in a relationship. And if you don't want to be with someone, just don't. Don't give yourself that grief, that headache, that nightmare. I see that happen so much. It's really confounding, really, really mind-blowing. But anyway, yes, so we take each other seriously as people, and I will give you the counterpoint to this, um, and then we will get off this this um, uh, ponderous, um, mind-numbing topic that I don't even know how we got onto. Oh, it's because I figured out it was my 20-year wedding anniversary this week. Anyway, this happened to me twice in the span of about a week, and it was wild. Um, it was like some real, um, matrixy, like red, blue pill, whatever, you know, behind the curtain, uh, stuff. But I was hanging out on a Sunday at the old cigar bar in town and hanging out there on, on Sundays, you will almost inevitably end up meeting someone that's in town visiting and conversing with them because it's not busy enough in there that like, Everyone's just like lost in the mix, but it's not a lot of people I've found when they're coming to Napa, California as tourists, they'll like arrive on a Sunday and then they're here till like Thursday or something. So they miss the weekend rush. So 
it was in there on a Sunday, and there were these two guys hanging out in there from New York City, um, from Queens, the borough of Queens. And one guy was like a real stereotypical New York dude. If you're familiar with the professional wrestler Eddie Kingston, this guy looked like Eddie Kingston. This guy talked and sounded like Eddie Kingston, but uh, he was just dressed in fancy uh Fancy like GQ dude clothes, which is not very Eddie Kingston. But other picture Eddie Kingston like in uh, wearing like blingy watch and like white button front shirt and slacks and fancy shoes. Um, and so there was him, and he was like the alpha guy of the of the two guys. And then the other guy was his buddy, who was kind of East Coast but less ostentatiously so. And um, I think they were like in finance or something. But they're in there. Oh, bada bing! Oh, bust the balls! You know. Uh, so talk to these guys for a while. Uh, they were not the easiest people to converse with, though, because it was mainly the, the main Eddie Kingston one that you had to do the conversing with, because his friend was just kind of kept to the side. But like, um, I was trying to make conversation with him, and I was like, "Oh, what part of New York are you from?" And he's like, ah, "I'm from Queens, huh?" And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, a friend of mine lives there. Because a friend of mine does legitimately live there. And I should remember this because the, my friend lives in whatever part of Queens Peter Parker's from. And now, of course, the oh, was it Forest Hills? Um, and I had given him a hard time about that when I went to visit him. I was like, you do know this is where Peter Parker was from. And this friend is not a comic book guy. So I was like, oh, I didn't know that. But I totally forgot we had that exchange. And in the moment, I could not remember where my friend in Queens lived. So I said, yeah, I have a friend that lives in Queens. He's like, oh, yeah, where, where does he live in Queens? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. He's like, yeah, because we all know each other there, huh? And so uh, ah, I'm walking here. And so, you know, it just get, get, the guy was not like, he, he wanted to be a smart aleck, whatever. So I didn't really talk to them that much. And I sat there reading a book. But then eventually what often happens when you see um, a pair of dudes together at the cigar store that are visiting from out of town, they are usually in there doing the manly stuff of um, drinking bourbon, smoking cigars, where the females of the species are off uh, being sent off to go shopping at the various little stupid boutiques and stuff that we have in downtown Napa. So inevitably these two female counterparts of these guys show up and... They're annoyed. They're ready to go. The guys are still finishing their cigars. And Eddie Kingston is like, hey, oh, you buy something or what? I sent you to buy something. You buy something? And uh, the one woman's like, well, I bought this hat. And he's like, you, you bought a, you, you already, you got 10 hats. You buy another hat? Why you got to buy a hat? And so they're getting this, but, but I told you to buy something. But you, but you buy a hat. So this is a bizarre um Ritual that I'm watching unfold in my uh, before my eyes, where you got these four people, two dudes, two women. Each pair would rather be hanging out. With, like the the two dudes are trying to escape the women. The women are tr- are being sent away from the dudes. The women are being given money to go buy things and ostensibly have a good time. But then when they buy the things that they want to buy. The, the dude is now up in arms about why'd you spend the money on that? It all seems very exhausting, very tiresome. Um, but I understand that this is the, the level of uh, which many, um, you know, marital or couple relationships exist. And if you're in one of those and that works for you, more power to you. I just, from, from a remove, it seems very odd to me. This is like the, 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 the antithesis to being in a relationship with someone where you apprehend the person as an actual person. And of course, people are going to have different predilections. You know, 
I like some broy stuff that my wife can't stand. She likes some like rom com type nonsense that I'm not into. Uh, but that's fine because we're happy to kind of do our own thing. Oftentimes, sitting right next to each other. But you know, I'll watch my screen; she'll watch hers. But just this whole the male of the species does that, the female does that, and never the twain shall meet. And it's all based on these roles and these these stereotypes. It's just, this is boring. Um, it's much more fun when you meet. Um, oftentimes, we'll meet couples at the cigar store where it, it is both sides of the couple both hanging out in there and we end up having these great conversations with these people because they're actually out in the world living as people. They're not uh, living as uh, the male of the species and the female of the species. Um, But here's the thing. The next Sunday, we go in there again and there's these two guys from the East Coast visiting, not as like Eddie Kingston out, but they're two guys from the East Coast and they were there and they were so happy to be together just having some bro time and... um, they had uh, gone to Pebble Beach to play golf and, you know, they were just living the dream and we're kind of talking to them for a while and then all of a sudden, the female of the species showed up, the, the two female counterparts looking at their watch, sort of huffing and puffing and the guy's like, yo, we gave you money, didn't you buy anything at the store? And I was like, my God, how do these people tell each other apart? Like, I'm literally witnessing verbatim the same scene that took place the week before in the same place, in the same chairs, the same room, play out in front of me in exactly the same way. And again, I have to make the disclaimer to each their own, but this just seems so Groundhog Day to me. And this coming from a guy who does nothing. So that's my thoughts on this uh, eve of my 20th anniversary. Um, A little unsolicited take. If, if, if you're curious what it takes to have an enduring relationship, and, and it really what matters is what, what it takes to uh, have an enduring relationship for you, and if you even want one, um, but just from my perspective, from my vantage point, if you're going to be in a long-term relationship, relationship with someone, make sure it's someone whose presence you enjoy, whose company you appreciate, who you can apprehend as an actual human being. And from there, my friend, you will hit the ground running or not. Who knows? Um, It seems a tad premature to call it just now because as much as I feel that I often go over time, this seems a little under. We're at like 22 minutes in and I didn't even do an episode last week. And I like to hit my my ideal would be that 30. But as I'm explicating myself now, I'm just adding more time, adding more padding, and we're going to probably... Uh, go past that 30. Actually, hopefully not. I don't know. In any case, I got one more thing to talk about before I uh, sign off for this very special episode 77, this riveting episode 77. We're going to do a little food talk because we are, as everyone knows, a food podcast. Some time ago, Icy Robots did a show. I believe it was an episode of World's Famous. In fact, I'm almost positive because I don't know what else it possibly would have been. And he did a top list, I think it might have been a top five list, of sandwiches. And after that episode aired, on my next episode, I disclosed that sandwiches have historically been a weak spot in my food game. I've always been somehow sort of viscerally troubled um, by the idea of a big mashup of stuff 
in between pieces of bread. And I don't totally understand why, because there's plenty of iterations of the sandwich that I am fine with. But um, those tend to be more iterations that where you get into a gray area of whether they are even in sandwich territory. You know, there's that stupid played out thing, but oh, is a, sandwich, is a hot dog a sandwich, blah, blah, But I mean, a hot dog truly is, I mean, I'm not saying I could care less whether it's a sandwich or not. And like, I think Icy Robots even referenced this on his episode that he wasn't going to get into that. He was only dealing with actual sandwiches. And so, you know, I, I agree that um, the hot dog doesn't belong in that category. But just, if I, if I am able to eat a hot dog, why can't I then eat a sandwich with similar components? But for some reason, just the psychology was not there. Um... And uh, over the years, the, the, the main sandwiches I could deal with are, are, are when the, the, the sandwiches are almost like burger-like. Like, there's a very discreet... Like, I, I've always been able to eat, like, for instance, fried chicken sandwiches because it's, it's just a piece of fried chicken in a bun. Um, where I just go into the um, food wilderness with sandwiches are more when it comes to deli-style sandwiches. As a kid, they freaked me out. And I was never able to put that past me as an adult. But I'm trying. So last Saturday, I went to a new-ish place that opened up here in Napa, California. Opened up in um, the Oxbow Market, which is kind of like a... How do you just describe it? It's one of these gimmicks where it's like a bunch of different businesses and vendors and bars and restaurants all within uh, a big indoor. Like you go inside this indoor place and then there's all these little stalls and stands and, and, and restaurants inside all with un, under one umbrella, even though they're all different businesses. So a new place opened up in there recently um, called Loveskies. And Loveskies bills itself as a... Uh, Jew-ish deli. Like it's it it's ish Jewish deli food. Meaning it, they serve Jewish deli food, but of course, because we live in Northern California with some t- tweaks and twists. And I, I think the backstory is the, the place is, is owned and operated by one chef who is of Jewish descent and then his wife who's also in the food industry who is Asian. So you end up with Jewish deli dishes with some Asian... Inspiration, we went down there and I figured this would be a good launching point for me to try to dip a toe further into the sandwich world and get over these hangups, get over these phobias, and I'm by no means over them entirely, and there are certain ones that it's just never going to happen, just not on the table. Egg salad sandwich, I'm looking at you. But um, I ordered a Reuben. I actually ordered half a Reuben. I ordered an order of matzo ball soup, and I split a Reuben with uh, Ms. S. Now, this Reuben was, uh, well, it was hot corned beef, uh, Swiss cheese. But now here's where it gets weird as far as, like, beyond the tradition. White kimchi. Hopefully you're familiar with what kimchi is. It's Korean fermented. Is it cabbage? Fermented something. I don't know. I eat kimchi all the time. Why do I not know what it is? This is where, um, see, like I'm, uh, you got the e-nerds of the world out there that can, uh, they're, they're big detail guys, can, can uh, latch onto the details. 
Mr. Sensational Gino Vega is not a detail guy. He's a big picture guy. He's a impressions and uh, aesthetic feelings guy, but he doesn't necessarily remember the details. Um, so yes, kimchi is a traditional Korean side dish of salted and fermented vegetables such as Napa cabbage and Korean radish. So this was cabbage-y kimchi. So we got the white kimchi and then gojichang dressing. Gojichang is like this spicy Korean sauce. It's all trendy right now, but it's been around forever. Um, and I think it was on maybe kind of some kind of like marbled rye bread. I could be wrong. I, I don't remember exactly, but some bread appropriate to the Reuben tradition. First time eating one of these. And I don't know if that it, it was like the 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 familiar the familiar Asian components were the Trojan horse for me, um, but I had no problem eating the sandwich, and in fact I um, thoroughly enjoyed the sandwich, and in fact I think as soon as I finish recording this episode I might go get one again. So shout out to Lovsky uh, Lovskys in Napa, California. I know that that Reuben that I described is not necessarily the most typical Reuben. I, we went there with a family, and one of the individuals was Jewish, and he was cracking up about how this idea of taking Jewish food, which is is not spicy at all, like has no spice to it traditionally, um, and adding all this crazy kimchi-type stuff. But it worked for me. I don't know. I'm going to have to try a more, a more legit one one of these days. Not that this one wasn't legit, but I mean a more traditional uh, one, one of these days. That's next on my list. My little brother is going to be moving to uh, Brooklyn, New York um, later this summer, and we'll be visiting him. So I have a feeling I will have plenty of op- opportunities to um, try my hand in the real world of um, East Coast Jewish deli food. And now that I'm trying to uh, expand my horizons, because hey, our horizons could always use a little more expansion. Eh, I don't know. That's overrated, but I, I'm, I'm bored, so I'm feeling like uh, branching out in my little sphere of nothingness. And folks, we have made it to the 30-minute mark, at which point I am now ready to bid you adieu. Thanks for listening this week. Thanks for hanging on with the rest of us as we await the return of flagship programming on the IC Robots Radio Network as uh, IC Robots... Content content put out by Icy Robots himself is currently on a bit of a hiatus, but I know he will be back in some form or fashion sooner than you may think, quicker than you may know. But until then, it's me. It's me. It's Mr. Sensational Gino V. Signing.
Start again 